welcome to the Own Your Epic podcast. My name is Jay Dostal, author of the book Own Your Epic, Leadership Lessons in Owning Your Voice and Your Story. In this podcast, I highlight the stories and voices of educators across the country who are making a difference in schools and uncover what makes them exceptional leaders in their field. By sharing the voices and stories of others, we can all learn to appreciate that each of us is the author of our own epic and our experiences are relatable to others, if we are willing to share them. Let's get started on the Own Your Epic process. Welcome to the Own Your Epic podcast. I am Jay Dostal and I am joined today with who I think is probably one of the funniest educators I have ever encountered. Uh, and we'll talk, we'll get into that because I've got a question for her. But uh, before I go on, I'd like her to introduce herself and tell us what she does. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Uh, my name is Antha Johnson. I teach at Fayetteville High School. I'm the coach of forensics and debate. Forensics and debate. So mm-hmm. how, how did you how did you get to the point where you wanted to be, like did you wake up one morning and say, I wanna be a forensics and debate teacher? <laughs> I mean, were you involved in high school and then that's just something that you were drawn to? Yes, so I was involved in high school. I actually almost did not join the team. So I grew up in Marietta, Georgia and moved here right before high school and really wanted to be in drama, like a theater course. And by the time we were enrolling me in classes, there was no space in anything. And it was ninth grade, at wherever, Washington Junior High, there was one drama class. So I was not getting into it. And they said, what about forensics? And I'd never heard of that before. And I was like, that's, I almost cried in the room and was like, I don't want to do dead body class. I don't want to do CSI. Uh, my My mom luckily asked questions about it. They're like, it's competitive drama. So I got involved from ninth grade and stuck with it all throughout high school. I loved it and continued they ask for judges whenever you're out of high school so I continued judging for them I knew once I had so I took a couple years off after college to kind of figure out if I wanted to be an educator what I really wanted to do and once I got back in and did my master's in teaching I remember telling them my dream job would be coaching forensics and debate that's the ultimate goal did not think that would be feasible for maybe another like three or four years of teaching oral comm or teaching a drama class. And it was literally right out of the gate here at Fayetteville High School. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. First interview, first job. Can you believe that? Oh my gosh. Literally does not happen. Were you you nervous when you you went into that interview? I was petrified. (laughs) I was terrified. The only, the luckiest part of that interview is that uh, there's another teacher who works at the school, Trevor Cooperescue, who I love, admire so much. And we went to college together, did a little bit of undergrad at the same time. And I get into the parking lot in these incredibly uncomfortable shoes and like this interview outfit from Old Navy, like the kind of stuff that you do when you're 22. And, uh, oh gosh, no, I was 24. Mm, That's wrong. But uh, I saw Trevor in the parking lot and he was like, hey, I saw your name on the list. I'm so happy that you're interviewing today. He was one of the fine arts staff that was in on the interview, so it was a friendly face in there, which was great. Takes you down a few notches. Yeah, when you see that from it wasn't your face. quite so so nerve wracking, but. So what's your what was your favorite perform? I'm asking you to go back in the archives here. What was your oh, yeah. favorite forensics performance that you that you did? That I was in. Yeah. Um, 
maybe my favorite. There are two that come to mind. One was individual, and we have this event that's called storytelling, that you perform a children's book as if it's for, like you're trying to act as if the audience is five or six years old. You're trying to be incredibly over the top engaging, but high schoolers are watching you. So I just had, honestly, I just had a Joey from Friends moment when he's reading the book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. so much like you don't get the book in front of you you're supposed to act it all out so you get one chair and that's it um and i did miss nelson is missing which i don't know if you're familiar with that book i am not it's super cute oh i loved it when i was a kid but it's it actually is about a teacher which is funny but it's about this teacher who is an unruly classroom and she can't get them to behave so she decides she's going to wear a disguise to class and be miss nelson and she's awful and terrible and they all think she's a witch and the entire book is the kids trying to figure out where their teacher is. And she's just been there the whole time is the twist. But when you're five, you don't get it. When you're acting it out, it's funny. So that was maybe the first time that I had trophied in an event on my own that was like, oh, I'm really proud of this piece. I am working really hard. I am able to tell that I'm growing. Um, and then another one, I guess, like of the ones that I can remember, I remember every duet acting piece that I did because it was always me and a best friend and they were so fun. I loved working with my friends in forensics. It was great. It's so interesting you say that because, well, first of all, put a pin on that whole uh, Miss Nelson thing because I'm going to come back and address that. Oh, yeah. Um, but when you brought up the whole notion of duet acting, um, see, I was not involved in speech, debate, or forensics in, in high school. I was your prototypical jock. But <laughs> when my daughter started school, uh, when we were still in Kearney, she was uh, on the speech team and yeah. she and her duet partner went to state. She actually got third in state as a freshman. That's amazing. But they, that was my first experience like watching duet and their, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about uh, a husband and wife who are arguing over the death of their child because uh, oh. apparently their thing was the son and the dad were driving and whenever they found like spare shoes on the side of the road they would pick them up oh gosh and uh, they got into a fight and I mean it was it was just so emotional and yeah. crazy and of course there's no props mm -hmm. and you're in a room yeah. with 10 other people and people just watching you. And I'm thinking, how in the world <laughs> do people do this? But for fun, for fun. <laughs> and yeah. then they, they, they're like getting their own little world. And so mm -hmm. uh, I can imagine the joy that you have getting to see <laughs> kids do that because it is so fascinating. It's when, when you're crushing it, it is the coolest feeling on the planet. And it, I'm not even sure if you know exactly when you're crushing it all the time, but at least for me, Exactly. Being able to watch a kid and I can see that they're growing or they're making choices that I didn't explicitly tell them to make and they're so cool, so on it. Oh, I love it. It's the best. Well, speaking of crushing it, um, I'm going to try not to embarrass you here because I know you got embarrassed <laughs> one time during a staff meeting oh, when somebody, that was so, when somebody that brought was so this different. up. But uh, you do literally crush it. I mean, uh, not many people would know this, but you are like TikTok famous. 
And prior to this interview, I looked it up again, and I saw that you have 117.8 thousand <laughs> people that follow you on TikTok. It makes no sense. And so my hope is after, you know, the two people who listen to this, you know, maybe you can get a couple more follows. Oh, there you go. But I actually wanted to share <laughs> one that I think is just downright hilarious and i am and i'm really hoping very kind i'm really hoping that the audio comes through on this but uh this one was funny because it was uh well i'll just let you listen to it <laughs> maybe if it's gonna work i really hope it does <laughs> you oh, tell me it's hot ah, no that's not what i wanted <laughs> what is the so I've got all this. I'm going to have to edit that out later on. But That's you know okay. what? You know what? I'm just going to say you need to follow Antha Johnson <laughs> on TikTok because there's one in particular where you were wearing, and this is why I asked you to pin the uh, Miss Nelson piece. You oh, were yeah. wearing blue eyeshadow bug glasses. Oh. Uh, I think it was a Willie Nelson. I was wearing a Willie Nelson t-shirt and kind of a shawl. Yeah. And you had an administrator come in on that day <laughs> yeah. to do a walkthrough. And of course it was during spirit week and yeah. decades day, but you just have these short clips. And I followed after that one where you were talking about the Phoebe Bridgers. Oh <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is most like, I went down a rabbit hole this afternoon <laughs> again, watching your TikTok. So the question oh, here no. is, is, one, I want you to tell people how they, what, what the, where they can, where, what's your handle so they can follow you, but where does this come from? Uh, great question. Great question. Um, do you mean like the content or like the, like the, the need to create something? Both. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm literally fascinated by it. Like I'm watching this go, I wish I could do this. Like you, you were, so could. you were in here before the, and Rebecca and I were oh, talking yeah. about our, Oh, dialect like different, and, yeah, and, words you mispronounce. I mean, I'm sure I could probably do that, but I am I watched like 20 of your videos. And I'm like, <laughs> this is amazing. This like it was the best part of my day. It was so awesome. So <laughs> so nice. And, and it fits into this whole curating and cultivating your story because you are totally taking in these experiences that you have with other adults in the building with yeah. your kids. So where? How, how did it come about? And then, you know, where, when was the big like breakthrough for you? So, okay. I mean, if we're really taking it back, I have always been a person that loves to tell stories. Okay. I love, I love, I, and this, oh gosh, I'm saying this now and I'm like, that will sound terrible. I think as a kid, I loved to be the center of attention. Oh, we I all do. loved Absolutely. to be, you know, every seven year old that's like, film me, I'm doing a tap dance. That was me, but from age four until today where I'm like, oh great, I'll bring my microphone, you know? Like, why am I that way? But I think I'm the oldest of four kids. Um, my sister Katie and I are two and a half years apart. And growing up, we just both, we loved to be funny and we would try to out funny each other all the time. And we are both, maybe sometimes to our detriment, just very competitive people. So it really, I mean, my whole childhood was like a little riff off in between the two of us all the time. We were best buddies and the best competition. I You just needed the medium to, yes, to post I, it. Okay. Oh, totally. I mean, but why take growing that? up, I, that honestly is a great question. I, I have enjoyed social media. I'm probably, I'm a millennial. I'm of the generation that like, 
had a MySpace in high school, had a, what, a Facebook from there. Like there's always been some sort of storytelling or documentation of like an online diary or an online presence always. Um, and who knows what that'll say about millennials later on in the future, but, or what it's even saying now. Uh, I think honestly, a lot of this started because on Instagram and for a second there on Snapchat, my story was always just, listen to this thing that a kid said to me at school today. Can anybody else relate to, um, I, I cannot make some of this stuff up. Like, oh no, you can't. You just can't. <laughs> like they will say things to me always. And I think a part of it is I teach debate and forensics, which is a very particular personality of kid, which I'm part of that. So it's great. Um, but also you have them for so long that you really do build a relationship, especially for those kids that are continuing into the second level and onward <laughs> where I, we joke about like, we need to build more relationships with our kids. And I'm like, I need more boundaries with my kids. Like they need a little bit less of a relationship because they will just be so out of pocket with the things that they'll say that are so funny. And I would use my Instagram or Snapchat story to be like, hey, a kid today pointed at me and was like, I knew you were married. I saw a ring on your finger. Well, it's the wrong hand. Um, it's like, I've been making that up for a year. There was a kid that uh, I don't ever share my age with my students. And he was like, I looked up your voter registration. I'm going to find it. I mean, just things that I'm like, I can't, I couldn't have predicted that that would happen. It's, you were talking about the Phoebe Bridgers kid. That's like, I have merch to this concert and shows me all the antidepressants, like antidepressant yes. pictures. Well, and then you went on to a tattoo. <laughs> And, oh, yeah. But you have a bird tattoo, which, by the way, you and I share something here. Oh, is a it a fear, fear of birds? birds? I absolutely hate birds. I don't swallows, trust them. Swallows in particular, like Ooh, the loose and uh -huh. the dive. Uh, yes. It's awful. It's the diving? Yes. Crows are too smart. Oh. Well, and then I see out here in our courtyard, we have those huge blackbirds that yes. are picking up the lunch that's left over. Oh, they're right outside my window yes. all the time. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's so I, I share that with you. They're but then so when scary. they said, uh, oh, I bet you have an easel. And yeah. you said, well, where did that come from? Where'd you I have even to think get that. <laughs> yeah. They'll bring up stuff. They've done it before, too, with the tattoo thing. They'll be like, I bet she has a quote from this show. You're like, I've never even mentioned that television show before. But what makes you, you think but that? But do you find that, that their ability to have that conversation with you because they feel comfortable with you oh, I allows you to be a better teacher because you've got that relationship? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, I do. I... It is maybe the thing that I value the most about my job is having enough of a relationship with them that like we can make a reference like that and I would get it, I understand it. If I don't, I ask them and it doesn't feel forced or weird or that like, I don't know, they feel a, a sense of being able to joke around or be themselves. I mean, there's plenty of times that I have to be like, I need to be a little less <laughs> a little less of anything right now but right. Um, for the most part the building relationships and once those are built like being able to enjoy I don't know that kind of closeness as student and teacher um, has been really nice it's who, been really who great modeled that for you like what was that who are those teachers that modeled that for you because that is yeah. something that you know 
I think of often of who are those teachers mm -hmm. in my past who modeled these things and how did I carry that forward? Did you have those? I think if I stopped to think about it, there were, and I always kind of call back to these two, there were two teachers growing up who meant so much to me and were kind of those people for me. And one was Brooke Merrill Smith, who was the theater teacher at the time. At, I went to Bentonville High School. Okay. And that's where she was. And then one was, in my junior year, I took his class for creative writing. And my senior year, he was the AP literature teacher. Uh, but his name was Mr. Davis, Kelly Davis. And he was incredible. Like, he would act in our student films. I was friends with all of the film boys. And he would act in all of those. I mean, he... We would, in our creative writing class, uh, we would have these different assignments where we were looking for imagery. He would have us bring in movies from home that we wanted to show images from. He molded things around us for what would be the most interesting, for what we were actually thinking about, talking about. He's maybe the first teacher that made me think that I was a good writer. So I like always think about him so fondly. Okay. Yeah, probably so him. So you talked about those two. So another question is, and they, they obviously had an influence on you, but who is, do you feel is like your biggest influence, positive influence on you as a person? Just in life? Just in life. I would honestly probably say my parents. My, so my mom, Martha, Marty, Marty J. Marty J. As the children have come to call her. They literally reference my mom all the time. Um, for some reason, and my dad, Perry, are probably the two biggest influences in my life. I mean, even like talking about growing up, my sister and I wanting to be funny. Um, my dad is one of the funniest people that I've ever were they teachers met were in my whole teachers? life. No, my uh, my I have a lot of extended family that okay. are teachers or have been in teaching, um, but no, my mom. She was the PTO president. She worked for a law office. She was the secretary at the front, did copy title things for a while growing up. My dad worked in computers, so he had a variety of jobs when I was pretty young. And then I forget if I was maybe like nine or 10, he got a job with Hewlett Packard, which is what's well, like his dream job. And he traveled a ton growing up, like Monday through Thursday would be a different city for a different company and then it was like the thing that was that was the height of beanie babies every time he came back we got a beanie baby so it was a big deal do you still have all the beanie babies I, they're in storage somewhere okay so you i got did tell my mom too. i was like you cannot throw these away there's a whole documentary about this Absolutely. now we could be putting somebody through college but uh no they are just incredibly kind supportive fun people. My dad is literally one of the funniest people that I know. He instilled, I still think about this and I'm like, oh, is that good or bad? But he would tell my sister and I growing up, you have to be smart to be funny. So I like wanted to be the smartest kid. I wanted to pay attention in class because I really wanted to be funny. So he like used that to encourage us. Um, my mom is probably the biggest cheerleader of any, if, I mean, you're talking about TikTok. If anybody is telling other people it's marty j she will she will tell you about it she was a big time supporter i love her but um so has i would that probably say them has that translated then over into the classroom for you where because you said you always wanted to pay attention and you wanted to um 
you wanted to to be smart are are you trying to ace teaching <laughs> yeah well oh wait that was so many noises that i just made <laughs> <laughs> that were all me being like oh yeah i'm called out yeah i am i totally would say that is dead on of like feeling um like i really want to be good at teaching i really want to be the you know gotta be the, the best the good relationship yes. for a kid and i really want to be good at this job and it is that is so unsustainable all the time so Put speaking that on of yourself. but, but un, unsustainable but thinking yeah. about the, how have the last two and a half years been where oh my you gosh. can't necessarily a school because you nobody knows what that oh, means <laughs> the last two and a half years have been wild for me so wild of i mean i would even say especially this year for some reason and we're all back so i'm like yeah. i felt like that should be the turning point of right. like we're all in person i get to see all of them every single day and somehow this year i'm like i cannot do anything right i <laughs> if it's i i don't know if it's right in one way then it's wrong for another kid there's a real struggle with it i think i have had to learn and remind myself often that my enough is enough like my i am trying my best i can communicate care to my kids in the best way possible and that means that it will not always look perfect have you learned how to give yourself grace slowly but surely not always well well i, I, yeah. I ask you i know it's a, it, it's a loaded question it's hard for me it, it's hard for me as well yeah. Uh, but if there's one thing that I truly hope changes because of this pandemic, mm -hmm. it's that teachers will learn to take care of themselves a little bit more Oh yeah, and learn to give themselves a break because I've, I've witnessed firsthand <laughs> the, just the, the stress and the constant pressure that people are putting on themselves to be the very best that they can be all mm -hmm. the time. And I know as teachers, we get into this because we were probably good in school ourselves. Oh, yeah. And so now we, we want to we ace teaching, mm -hmm. but we can't do it. And you throw in all of these other things goal. and it's an impossible yeah. goal. And so we just keep on putting pressure on ourselves <laughs> and it's just like, lighten it up. I know. It's all right. It's, it's yeah. okay. And that has been a big thing for me this year. As I, this year we just finished hosting a tournament and then uh, we have to turn around and I'm the called chair. Called March Madness. Yeah, <laughs> called March Madness, which it literally, I don't know why I'm ever shocked. For seven years it has lived up to the name, you know? It is, there's always something that's gone wrong, been crazy. There's been a torrential downpour one year, one year it iced while we were here. This year we had a freak ice day and we ended up having to switch to virtual. The last year that it was in person, a girl uh, popped her knee out of socket on campus. Nice. <laughs> I know. On one of the stairs here? Um, or? She was trying to run for one of the doors because oh. it was closing, it was locked, and just in the middle of the courtyard where it echoes the absolute most, absolutely screaming for the entire school to hear. It looked like a real horror movie. Newton's Law. Exactly. It's always going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> like, if it can go wrong, it's, it's going to go wrong during that weekend, but... We host that and then we turn around and I'm the chair of the state committee this year. So we're in charge of coordinating, figuring out the state tournament. And it really has been a year of like 
you've got to give yourself some grace. Like, that might be a day late. It's going to be okay. Like, people trust you. They trust your judgment. It, these constant reminders that I'm having to lean on because otherwise this year would be impossible. There's just no way to do everything. It, this year has reminded me a lot of a quote that my mom used to say a lot, which interesting that I'm like, she is somebody who influences me, but she would frequently say, you cannot be everything to every person. Like you just, it's impossible. You cannot be every single thing to every single one of us. Somebody will be displeased by something. Yep. And that's just a fact of life. Well, and um, as you can see behind my desk, Rebecca, my secretary, gave me that. You oh, can't make everyone happy. You're not yes, pizza. Yes. So inevitably, you are going to disappoint somebody yes. at some point. And when you finally let it sink in, that, mm -hmm. listen, you cannot be everything to everyone. Yeah. It's all right to give yourself a break. And again, that's why that's what I really hope to have all educators come out of this pandemic, if anything. Mm -hmm take it easy on themselves because, yeah. uh, and this is a question for later on, but it's a, it's a good transition. You know, we have a lot of people who are leaving the profession. Mm. We don't have a pipeline of people coming back in. It's, it's really tough. And so as someone who's been in the classroom for a while, what advice do you have for people who are maybe thinking about coming into the profession and like what, what kind of, how, how would you entice them? How would you recruit them to come into the school? How would I recruit somebody? I, I think, honestly, the biggest recruitment for me is, do you care about working with this age group? If you care about the people, if you like care on a base level, a lot of things will fall into place. So like for myself, I don't think that I am the world's best debater, but I care about my debate students and I care about them learning things like the best way that works for them and being able to hit these milestones. I care about them experiencing growth and that literally changes everything. It's the things that I'm like, oh, I do not care about that. That are the parts that like are harder for me to motivate myself to get done. I think if you, care about that age group or you care about your subject the most that's the easiest way to stay in it um but i think i would also tell people coming in i don't know if it's always necessarily enticing but i think i had this grand idea when i entered teaching my first year of like i am gonna get in there and change some lives it was a real like you know, it's the pie in the sky. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Just the Dead Poets Society idea of like, yes. I'm going to stand on a table and Carpe diem, they're let's all going to love me. Yeah, and if that's why you're doing it, <laughs> I mean, talk about unsustainable. It does not last like that. You, it's going to be a huge letdown. It's going to be so much of a letdown. It uh, it has taken me so like at least those first two or three years so long. It felt like to be like. Okay, that cannot be why you're doing this. You will absolutely change some lives and somebody will be the person who's like talking about Mr. Davis. Like somebody mm -hmm. will for sure talk about Miss Johnson as that is a teacher that I remember that I really cared and I hope that they say that. I will not be that for every single kid and that's okay. And you can't go into teaching thinking I'm gonna change this entire institution and it's on my back to do it. 
um, you have like a responsibility in it for sure to like to want to change things absolutely but, but that is the I think that's the crux of the whole issue is that yeah again we put that pressure on ourselves yes. to do this and it's it is it's unsustainable and um, I love what you said about you know you're gonna make a difference for those kids and it's based on the relationship and again they're totally they're probably not going to remember the lesson or the yeah. content oh, but they definitely gonna, not. <laughs> they're gonna remember how how you made them feel mm -hmm. and that they're seen and heard I mean many of the the conversations that I have with with students have nothing to do with school it's just yeah. listening to them and giving them an opportunity to be seen and heard and I think mm -hmm. that's the whole point behind this podcast and the things that I write about is everybody has a story. Yeah, they need to be able to have the the venue to share it because if somebody else tells their story for them, it's going to be it's not going to be very good. Mm -hmm. And so, getting into all those details is 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 really really important. We have just a couple minutes left. Oh great! And so I just wanted to uh, this is this is I. I I had a question posted that I was going to ask you to tell me like that one story that uh, oh. kind of defines you. There's so many. <laughs> it's a problem. You have shared, <laughs> you have shared so many of those. Uh, I feel like uh, if anybody wants to see your story, all they have to do is go to your TikTok feed. And oh my gosh, see, that's why I can... forgot to tell you how I even got into it. That's really yes, funny. So, well, that, that's what, so be, instead of that, how, I want to go back. I want to circle back to that. Sure. So. Social media changes, that sort of thing. Oh, One absolutely. of the things that I really appreciate about it, I, I have not posted anything on TikTok. I have a TikTok account. I haven't posted anything. I'm just, I just watch. Um, it's easy to do. It, it is. It's sucked in there. And I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm fine with Twitter. I'm fine with Instagram. I'm fine with Facebook. And yeah. I haven't, I haven't jumped in to TikTok. How did you jump into that? I, <laughs> if you want the real answer, I got so bored when quarantine started. That is truly the easiest way to talk about it. It was April 2020, and we had just started those AMI days of, okay, we left March 13th, 2020, and we were into our first month of, okay, you just give kids two weeks of work at a time, and then like you maybe host a Zoom. I don't think anybody was hosting Zooms as much at that point. I had had like maybe like once a week trying to get kids in on that, but everybody was overwhelmed. I had no clue what I was doing. So I would sit in our kitchen <laughs> with my emails open, just waiting for a kid to ask a question, to say something. And there was one day where one of them had mentioned TikTok and I'd spent, what, the entire last semester before they even left asking them to get off of it in class. And I was like, well, I wonder what it's all about. I'll open it up. I'll, I'll give this a little look-see. And as a whim, I posted one that was me making fun of what I think I would be like in 2037 as like a, a mom with a teenager if you had a kid over COVID. <laughs> and, I, you know, what, what elements of COVID and beginnings of Corona and everything that would kind of like stick with you of like, wash your hands 8 billion times, make sure we have, you know, 15 rolls of toilet paper always, like all the beginning things that Everybody was freaking out about it. We were all yes. freaking out yes, about it. We um, and I just was joking about it, made a little a little video there, and it weirdly blew up. It was one of those one and done 
kind of things. And then I just never stopped. And then honestly, that really was, that was the beginning of quarantine. So you're just stuck at home always. Um, and I had my phone and I had two roommates and <laughs> we so were the, just The lesson ripping. here is to, t to take the chance and actually do it. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm going to record a TikTok video. It's gonna be awful, but I'm gonna take that chance based off of, uh, based off of this podcast. You never know. But I also remember when we had that speaker come and talk to our entire staff, <laughs> at the time, you said in the meeting that you had like 85,000 mm -hmm. followers. Yeah. Okay. You're up to 117,000. It stayed there for a minute. It's not like... You're an influencer. It, I don't, I don't even know. That word feels so weird. Well, when we have kids in our school who like have over millions oh, of followers, yes. you know who I'm talking about. I do. They're influencers. But when I look at that... I, like I feel good on Twitter that I've got five thousand followers oh, because absolutely. you know, I, and, and That's it's mostly cool. teachers. Yeah, but a number like one hundred seventeen thousand. Like, does yeah, that I ever can't really resonate it. with you? I mean, do it you, really doesn't. I mean, I do you feel I've, obligated like you have to keep it up because you don't want to let those people down? A little bit. Okay. Some, I I have gotten there in my brain before of like, oh no, there's there's people who leave comments that are wanting to see more of my face telling a story. So I should do that again. And then I'm like, well, that's kind of, I don't know these people. Why do I feel some kind of an obligation? But truly, and I think maybe because I started this well before TikTok of using some kind of a platform to tell a story or tell a joke. I mean, I still use my Instagram story all the time as let me talk to you about what happened today. So I think I would have done something like that anyway. Just always enjoyed sharing stories with people. and. Real life, internet, whatever, writing, I don't care. I, well, and you, I just enjoy telling them. You're never short of material in a high school. Seriously. Ever. <laughs> I feel like I used to joke that my life was a sitcom, but truly that was before I got into teaching. And now I'm like, I could never. You can't make this stuff up. Make any of it up. No. Yeah. I, no. People will think that I'm faking things. E even on TikTok, people will be like, this did not happen. Those kids did not say that to you. I'd be like, I would love for you to sit in. Well, I and that's, you. that's the interesting thing because people who listen to this will primarily be educators mm -hmm. and they'll be like, oh yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. The people who don't have any conception of high school other than their own high school experience yes. will be like, no, you made that up. No, you really didn't. No, I really didn't. By the way, let me one up you here because yeah. this happened. I mean, it's just crazy how those mm -hmm. stories, high school teachers are notorious for this. Yes. Well, you had that happen. Guess what happened to me? And it, I mean, yeah. sooner or later, it's two hours later and yes. you're still talking about exactly. something. A student, like, literally I was talking today about how a student once made me a poster for March Madness and it had Korean writing on it. And I asked him what it said. And he told me, it says forensics is fun. Don't worry about it. And I said, I don't trust that. I literally learned how to decipher Korean in an hour with another kid. And it was literally a poster that he made that was North Korean propaganda. And he was going to try to put it in the hallway with a picture of SpongeBob on it. <laughs> and I went, I, those were a lot of words that I said in one sentence that should not be said together. <laughs> that like should not cohesively mesh. And that's a real story. But see, that happened I, three years ago. But I, I hear what? that. I hear that. And I translate that as our future is bright. If we have kids <laughs> that are that smart and that creative that Truly. they're going to do, if they will just channel that into doing something good, it will be amazing. All of that energy. And we get yeah. to see that 
every <laughs> single day. Future leaders of America. Absolutely. You know? I love it. <laughs> Antha, this has been great. We're at the end of time. Um, I, again, want to thank you for taking the time, especially after a long school day and it's on a Thursday and you're sitting here in the principal's office having a conversation <laughs> with me. It's been a great time. <laughs> but I could not think of a better person to, to have on, on this podcast because you everything that you talked about is the epitome of Own Your Epic because you truly are taking those stories that have made you the person, the wonderful, awesome person that you are and the awesome educator you are, and you're able to tell those and share those and pay it forward. And, I, and you're inspiring kids and you're inspiring adults as well, me included, just by so how you how you handle those and how you uh, you amplify your voice. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's Absolutely. so nice. <laughs> well, that's the end of this episode of the Own Your Epic Podcast. Hope you all will tune in next time for the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. To find out more about Own Your Epic, check out my website at ownyourepic.blogspot.com, where you can purchase my book or subscribe to all the latest blog and podcast updates. Until next time, own your epic and share your voice and your story. It matters and can make a difference in the lives of others.